0: Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini.
1: Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Real excited for you today. And I always love when I'm able to interview and bring to you one of my good friends. And for the past 20 years or so, Tom Ziegler and I have been good pals. I met Tom, obviously, when he was first managing his dad's business, the great Zig Ziegler, who was a mentor of mine. And we became pals. And I saw what a great businessman he was, what a fantastic supporter of his father he was. And and I would attribute as much success to Zig's story to Tom as I do to Zig. And so Tom continues on his father's legacy today. He speaks all over the world. And he's just brought out a new book just a few days ago Choose to Win. Transform your life one simple choice at a time. And Tom, welcome back to the show. Delighted to have you today, pal.
2: Oh, what a great honor to be back. Boy, I'm excited because there's something about the way you've say things that just gets my blood rocking and boiling
1: so i love it it's our own version of braveheart tom you know what i mean if you find yourself being unpleasant to english people throughout the day today just fight that urge it's just been stoked up inside you okay you got it all right well listen i want to dive right in again everybody always wants to talk to tom and start the conversation about zig and no one's a bigger fan of zig Ziglar than me i've promoted bang the drum for zig Ziglar throughout my career But you, Tom, have some great insight, and you've been watching and witnessing and studying success since the day you were born, and it's all you've ever known, and you have some great insights, you're a very cerebral character, and uh, I want to kind of dive right into the book here. You start off in a place that I think a lot of people start off in today's world, but I think you have an interesting take on it. You're talking about knowing what your why is, right? What is your why? And before I kind of get into that, I would like to know, why did you write this book?
2: Well, I wrote this book for a number of reasons. And first, let me just give you my personal mission statement.
1: All
3: right. My
2: personal mission statement is to create the environment that will allow you to become all that God created you to become. Mm -hmm. And so that is, man, that's a big calling. Mm -hmm. It's part of my personal why. And so why did I write this book? Part of it is, the book is just one more way to create the environment that I believe others can use to be, do, and have more.
3: Hmm.
2: That's in my DNA. When I first started in our business, I thought we were in the book and tape business Mm -hmm. and I was in an event and a guy in tears, an immigrant from Central America Mm -hmm. with tears in his eyes said, he came to the United States to have a better life. And he realized he needed to learn English and his brother, gave him the book, see you at the top and said, translate this from English to Spanish and then back to English. And not only will you learn English, but it will change your life. Wow! And I was mid twenties when he told me that he's crying and he looked me in the eye and he said, I was an alcoholic. It saved my marriage. It saved my life and you've seen it. You can help people make more money or have career success. But when they tell you that their family's together because of something, Mm -hmm. there is no more powerful why.
1: Right. That was the day it became your mission, not just your dad's mission, right?
2: That's when I really understood what dad said. Uh, We're not in the book and tape business. We're in the life-changing business. Right. So this book is kind of my – because people always say, well, you know, and this is a knock on our industry. Well, you can't just tell somebody to be happy or be motivated. And, of course, Dad never did that. He never gave a promise without a plan. Mm -hmm. And so today, with young people, especially millennials, it's like they'll say, and even describe in the book, I love what you said, but I know me. I'll do it for three days, and then I'll just play video games all night. (laughs) Right? Don't you love honest people, at least? And so the book addresses that, too, because Mm -hmm. I believe that People don't set the course for their life until I call them the two D's. One of these two D's happens the disaster or the dream.
3: Mm hmm. Yeah.
2: And it's a lot better to organize your life around a dream. Right. Right? Because when you do that, it'll help you avoid the disaster. Sure. When you just kind of meander through life, guess what? The disaster's coming.
1: And the encouragement for everybody is we've all had disasters. And it's often yeah. after the disaster. The one thing you forget to do is dream. Because after the disaster, you're just trying to survive. You know, you've had the disastrous health, the disastrous marriage, the disaster happened to your family, your business, your finances, whatever it is. The disaster happened to your emotional life or your mental life. You know, and it's about how do you come back after that. And one of the dynamics that's often found is that people forget to dream. So it's kind of neat. I love that the two D's. Most of us are motivated by pain rather than joy right it's moving away from you you know my mother was trying to lose weight i think she was on a diet for 37 years
3: <laughs> and
1: never lost a pound but she went in for a diagnosis and the doctor said you're two points away from being fully diabetic you're gonna have to have insulin you're gonna have to have this you're gonna have to have that and at 80 years of age she lost 30 pounds and has kept it off for the last eight years you know because she got the bad news and so initially it was i want to move away from the disaster and then it became hey mom what would you like to do you know imagine you're 30 pounds lighter and she goes well i'd go back to playing golf i'd go back to doing this i go back to swimming you know it was the avoidance of the disaster initially that then led her to the dream and now she's full of vim and vinegar you said you're going to ireland next year tom i'm going to have to introduce you to mom let me tell you she'd go toe-to-toe with the redhead that's all i gotta say
2: that sounds good that sounds good you mentioned pain Mm -hmm. and then you also talked a little bit about vision right And the difference between those two things, the reason it's important to point out the pain and create the vision, is that gives us the urgency to change. And Mm so the next word I like is gap. So there's a gap between Mm -hmm. where we are and where we want to go. And this book is about the gap. This book is to help you clarify where you are, the pain that you're in, Mm -hmm. but more importantly, create a vision for where you want to go. And then the gap is the steps Mm -hmm. and how you get to Right, Because you can't just say somebody, oh, be happy, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Wait a second, my dog just died, and I've got a bad health diagnosis, and I got fired. Being happy, at that point, it's not about somebody telling me what to do. It's understanding I have a choice of the action I can take, mm-hmm. regardless of the circumstances, and that choice is to create the habits that produce the fruit I want in my life.
1: Right, those methodologies are everything. And, you know, it's it's interesting in business as I'm always often helping some folks out in the consulting side of things. So many of these corporations I'm dealing with, the transition strategy is always what hoses everybody up because we get so caught up with the how. Like, I don't know how to do that, so they don't even allow themselves to create a vision. So I think the steps are you're in the midst of the pain. There's something you want to go away, it's something you want to remove. you got to establish a vision, a dream for your life, your business, whatever it is. And then in the meantime, okay, you've got to have this, what you're talking about, the gap, the transition strategy, the plan to get there, the methodologies, the how-tos, because otherwise it's just pump people up for the sake of it, right? And it's a Chinese meal. They're well-fed, and two hours later, they come back hungry again. Yeah,
2: exactly right. And, you know, when you look at what do I do in the gap, a lot of times it seems overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, man, I've got to change everything in my life. Right. And that's another thing that we talk about and Choose to Win is that's not at all the approach that we take. We look at, and I borrow this concept from Dad, he said, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes get all the publicity, but when it comes to damaging homes,
3: <laughs> termites, termites <Yeah. laughs>
2: they do more damage. Yep. And so in our life, and you talk about this all the time, we have in our wheel of life, we have different areas of our life. Mm-hmm. We have the spiritual the mental the physical the family the financial the personal and the career that's that's where we settle in on and, and the idea is, is what if i could get rid of a little bitty termite sized bad habit in mm. one of those areas and just replace it with a termite sized good habit in that area and we did that over and over again mm-hmm. keeping what we've learned little micro changes can literally you'll be a completely different person in a year
1: Well, the book, you talk about replacing bad habits with good ones. Give us a couple of tips on how to successfully change a bad habit. Well,
2: man, I've got so many. But first off is, you know, we've already kind of laid that foundation. The illustration that I love is that these two old boys were sitting on the porch of their house, and the hound dog was laying next to him, and about every five minutes it would start whimpering. And the visitor said, what's wrong with the dog? And the owner said, well... That's his favorite place to lay down, but there's a nail that sticks up a little bit. Hmm. And about every four or five minutes, it gets him, and he whimpers. And I guess when it gets too painful, he'll move. Right? right? The problem is, as we get used to the nail in our side, and it'll eventually create an infection
1: mm-hmm.
2: if we don't move. And so the idea is, is we're moving away from something, some frustration, to a vision Because if we don't have a vision, Dad said, if you don't know where you're going, any direction will do. Right. Okay, so now I'm going that way. I love this little quote, a tree's fruitfulness depends on its rootfulness. Mm. So I like to envision what's the fruit we want in our life. Mm -hmm. And then how do we nourish the root that creates that fruit? Mm -hmm. And so to me, the number one lesson that I've learned in my life is input. When we change our input, When we nourish our root with the right input, as Dad would say, the pure, the powerful, the positive, the clean, all the things that lift us up, who we associate with, what we read, what we listen to, when we change that input, it ultimately changes everything. So the first simple Mm -hmm. habit is to cut out some negative input and replace it with some positive
3: input.
2: My own example is I used to wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares, and I'd be like, What's going on? And then I realized I was falling asleep every night listening to the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a brainiac. I mean, who wouldn't have nightmares falling asleep to the news? Sure. And so I just changed that little bad habit with listening to something good, clean, pure, powerful, or something at least neutral. Now I sleep great, and I dream about the things that I want to dream about.
1: Well, it's funny you say that, because, you know, you think about your dad was talking about this stuff before social media, before all the clickbait, all that type of good stuff. My little habit with changing the input was I'd plug my phone in by my bed, and so that's where the charger was and so on and so forth, and I would use it as a clock, right? But when I'd wake up first thing in the morning, the habit was I'd reach over, I'd click, and the next thing you know, I'm starting the day, and I'm on this news feed to that news feed, and I've had the Debbie Downer, first 20 minutes of the day every day before i started i I wasn't having nightmares i was having daymares you know and so here's a funny thing is the iphone started doing something here last year where once a week now it sends you a report on your screen time so i set up two little things to change one my phone is now plugged in in the bathroom i don't have it by the bed if i need to know what time it is so i bought a clock for the bedroom how's that So if I want to get up and watch something on my phone, I got to get up and go get it. The second thing is I set myself a goal that every week I'd have less screen time than the week before. And I kind of have it as a little bet. In fact, uh, me and the kids, because I'm always, I would say it to them and I said, rather than argue with them, I'd say, my goal is to have less screen time than I did the week before. Who's on it with me? And that's my daughter, Amy's very competitive and she's coming in. Okay, dad, I was an hour and 12 minutes, you know, and this and that. But it's like, that's something like you talk about in today's world. It's made a big difference for me. It's made a big difference for me. I have a better day starting out. I'm not starting with all the stuff that someone else wants to pump into my head. So
2: let me connect the why with this little habit. Mm -hmm. Do you have a pre-sleep routine? So what I do on my iPhone is at 7 p.m., my dimmer goes onto my phone. And it means that when I see the light change, it means it's a mental note for me to get disconnected, get off of screens, Mm -hmm. get away from TV, start paying attention to my family, and start going to sleep and getting my mind ready for a good night's sleep. Why? Because I wake up for a spiritual purpose. Mm -hmm. And so this is how we can create habits that are driven by a why. Mm -hmm. My why is to create the environment that allow you to become all that God created you to become. And so now a pre-sleep habit which doesn't seem like a big deal in the scheme of things. It's everything. It means everything. Yeah.
1: No, that's awesome. I love that. And I love that we give those methodologies and those little pieces that people can really grip onto. Let's go big picture for a second, which I know you're you're very much a strategist. Uh, In your book, you talk about this trinity of transformation. I love the phrase. It's great stuff. Maybe we could dive in there a little bit, because it seems if you can spend some time on your why, spend some time on your vision, what's my purpose? then this trinity of transformation becomes very, very important.
2: Right. So in the trinity of transformation, there are three words that I want people to focus on. The words are desire, hope, and grit, Mm -hmm. desire, hope, and grit. And so there's a metaphor that we use in the book and I want you to picture a hot air balloon. And then the basket of the balloon, what you do is you put two things into the balloon. First, You put all your desires, your hopes, your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, everything that you ever wanted you put into the basket, right? Mm -hmm. Everything you've ever wanted to be, do, and have. The second thing that you put in there are your gifts and talents, the things that make you uniquely you. You know, you're one in infinity as far as God's creation. You're the only one like you. What is it that you're good at naturally that comes easy to you, that people come to you for advice on? just because of the way you're built. Uh So here's what's interesting. When we put our gifts and talents next to our desires, our dreams, and our goals, it ignites a fire. And so this fire goes up, and now I want you to envision the balloon, the big part of the balloon itself, put the word hope across it. And as you start to gain altitude, hope begins to rise Hmm. because you see this connection between what I'm good at and what I want. And what happens is you gain some altitude, you get up about 200 feet, and you can see your past. And here's what's cool about this balloon is it allows you to make friends with your past Hmm. and learn from your past and forgive the mistakes that you made and others regarding yourself to your past, because here's the reality. Your past is important, but not near as important as the way you see your future.
3: Mm -hmm. I love that
2: then you look to the other direction and you realize that's my future that's my desire my dreams my goals that's where i want to go but there's an ocean to cross and a mountain to go over so this balloon's got to have a lot of altitude and you notice that the balloon stops gaining altitude and you're thinking gosh it's never going to get across that ocean at this height i got more altitude and then you notice the furnace of the balloon and on the furnace of the balloon there's a knob and this is the third word in the trinity the knob says grit. And grit, you turn that knob and a white hot flame comes out. And grit is that stick to itiveness. It's, I get knocked down a hundred times. I get up 101. Mm-hmm. The world says, you can never do that. And you say, watch me. I mean, Angela Duckworth wrote a whole book on this. What we right. talk about in Shoot the Wind is we want to apply our grit to our gifts and talents, right? To what we're naturally good at. And this is what we see all the time when we watch American Idol or any of the talent shows and the person gets up to sing. And obviously the only person who ever thought they could sing was their mother,
3: (laughs) right? And
2: and yet they've invested all this time and energy in something that's not a gift and talent. The reality is, is you could spend your life trying to move from a three to a 10 and you'll never get past the six
3: Mm -hmm.
2: because it's not who we are. So we identify who we are, what we're good at, and we take those natural gifts and talents and move them from a 6 or a 7 up to an 8, 9, or 10, and that's where we win. Well,
1: that's pretty awesome. It's pretty personal for me because where I live in San Diego, the Del Mar balloons, every weekend, they take off in Del Mar and they fly towards my house to the point that we actually can have a conversation in our pool with people in the balloons and then they head back inland. And so um, I'll just keep telling them to turn the grid on, Anytime they're uh, getting a little lower, we did have one almost land in the front yard one time. So, but I love that hot air balloon. I think desire, hope, grit, and putting the grit into what your gifts and talents are, as opposed to you can do anything you want, honey, which is a little bit of the culture we live in today. And you can't. Shaquille O'Neal would make a lousy jockey in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. He's seven two, weighs three fifty. You know, he can have a positive mindset. He can have all the desire he wants, but he's not designed for it. And I think that's something we work at all the time. Something else I want to dive into here is the concept of choices you're going to talk about because uh, we do an advanced event every year called our Peak Experience. And I bring in our top, most successful folks to come into San Diego, and we go to La Costa Resort. And this year, I'm going to be focusing on how to CEO your life. And one of the dynamics, I'm doing a whole section on choices and how choices are really what often separates the winners from the losers, the high achievers from the strugglers. And so you have a lot to say in this book on the seven choices and the seven choices plan, and how that works in concert with this hot air balloon you're talking about. Maybe you could spend a few minutes on that for us.
2: Right. And so in the seven choices plan, we talk about the seven areas of our life, the mental, the spiritual, the physical the family, the financial, the personal, and the career.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we get very, very specific in how can I make better choices and create. See, I believe the ultimate choice is the choice to create a habit mm-hmm. that produces the fruit mm-hmm. that I want to produce. I have this quoted, and it says this. It says, attitude is a reflection of character, and character is a reflection of habit.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I want you to think about that. Which comes first, character or habit? Mm. And I think sometimes one will come before the other, but here's the example I love to use. Have you ever had a two-year-old in your house? And I know you've had a bunch of them. Right? <laughs> Six of them. <laughs> yeah. And so when they were two, they automatically shared all their toys with their brothers and sisters, didn't they? <laughs> no, they didn't.
1: Not exactly.
2: You had to teach them the habit of sharing. Hey, you're going to share this with your brother. You're going to share this with your sister. And guess what? They're going to share one of their toys with you. And the ultimate goal is they're going to have the character qualities developed in them of kindness and compassion and generosity. In other words, we recognize that in order for people to be productive citizens, to make a difference in the world, there are certain character qualities that they've got to have mm-hmm. in order to do that. And so We created the habit first. And so what we get into in the book is, okay, what character qualities, when I talk about legacy, it's real simple. What do you want people to say about you and your family behind your back? Mm -hmm. What words do you want them to use? And so when you get those words in your mind, then you go back one step and say, what are the habits that I can create today Mm -hmm. that will create the character, which will then allow my attitude? And attitude is simply, in my mind, It's the outward expression of your character qualities. Mm. That's what attitude is. And so what we do is we go in these seven areas and we make it simple. In the personal development area, there are 20 habits that we teach on how to build energy in your life because you can't give something you don't have.
1: What would be an example of one of those, Tom?
2: Well, for example, taking a walk in the woods,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: getting back to nature. So when I talk about the personal area of life, you know, the first habit is self-care. In other words, we have to make a commitment to invest in ourselves, to take care of ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, to bring energy into our life so that we have the capacity to overflow. I mean, I love your example where you, the blessings come in and they overflow from one area of life to the other.
1: In the bowls, yeah.
2: And yet so many people in life, they serve, 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 and nothing's ever coming in. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that you can do in your life that brings you energy? One of the things I love to do, I learned from my good friend Bob Bodine, is I just send a text of love and appreciation to people, Mm you know, somebody I care about. When I'm feeling down, when I need a little jump, I will get my phone out, and I'll go down my gratitude list of the people who mean the most to me, and I'll send them a heartfelt text. This is what I think about you. I appreciate you.
1: I've had one of those from you, Tommy. I didn't know you were feeling down, though. I just sent you love back. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I don't always feel bad. I- <laughs> it made my day, though, brother. It made my day. <laughs> but the point
2: is, is that it's a habit, right? Yeah. And so now, and you know, in Dad's great story about your plane's going to be delayed or canceled, you decide in advance how you're going to handle
1: it. Mm-hmm.
2: You know... Sometimes life is a grind. Yeah. And so when we know the grind is coming, what are we going to do?
1: Right. You know, your dad used to talk about this, you know, about when he was 37 pounds overweight. And he said, "I and I chose to be 37 pounds overweight because I never ate anything by accident. Right. I just think <laughs> so many people's habits are that. It's yeah. whether well, it's the dog on the porch and there's a, a nail sticking up. It's just we drift into these things. I just don't think most people set out to screw up their lives screw up their health, screw up their finances. It's just we drift into this, and the next thing you know, becomes comfortable. And so even the discomfort, just like for that dog, the discomfort becomes comfortable. You know, the the movie The Shawshank Redemption and the librarian Brooks Hadlan, he gets released after 50 years. He kills himself because he was comfortable in jail, and he was not comfortable with freedom. And so many of us are in the jail of our bad habits. And so right. how does a person become aware that this seemingly innocuous habit is actually taking them away from their why, their vision, their plan, and they're actually making a choice by default.
2: Yeah, let me give a visual to everybody. So we already talked about the trinity of transformation. Mm-hmm. Your balloon's rising, you've got desire, hope, and grit. and then imagine if your balloon comes to a sudden stop. So what you do then is you look over the edge of the balloon and you see these ropes that are tying your balloon to the ground. Mm. These ropes in most cases, are bad habits and wrong mindset, wrong beliefs. And so I'll give you an example. Talking to a guy, and he said, I'm working in my day job. I want to create my dream job. My plan is a couple hours a night after work, I'm going to build my dream job. And on the weekends, I'm going to work four or five hours. And I think in six months, I'll be making enough income on my side dream job to quit my regular job and go full time. Well, 90 days into it, I talked to him. How's it going? Well, I haven't really done anything. Mm. Well, why not? Well, I get home and I'm, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. I don't have any energy. Well, he's eating six bags of Cheetos every night. He's got the bad (laughs) habit of weighing too much weight. Yeah. Right. And so here's the question that I would ask you. If you feel like you're stuck, you first paint the vision of where you want to go. And even if it's hard, just try a little bit. In fact, this is what's cool. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read any of Mark Batterson's stuff, but he talks about that when we're little, we dream a lot. And the older we get, the more we go to logic, right? Mm -hmm. The more we depend on ourselves and what we know, rather than assuming anything's possible. Well, which one does God smile at the most? The one where we need all his help?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Or the one where we think we can cover it ourselves? Right. Right, And so just remember, when you start to dream, even though it feels uncomfortable, the more you dream, the more God smiles.
1: That's a nice one.
2: So you dream a little bit. You think, okay, that's what I want to do. So how do I identify these things, these ropes that are holding my balloon down? Here's a good idea. Just for a couple of days, every time you start to do something, ask yourself this question. Will what I'm about to do take me closer to or further from Mm -hmm. my dream? You know what? Because let's get real. You know, five minutes on Facebook, just checking with friends and family a day, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Right. Who actually only spends five minutes? Right. And so the point is, that's a bad habit. Five minutes is okay. An hour and a half. What could I have done in that hour and 25 extra minutes that would have gotten me closer to my dream? Uh And so we start finding the things that we're doing automatically because we've always done it, even though we're sitting on the nail. We start identifying the things that aren't taking us closer to our dream. Hmm. And so what we're talking about is termite size changes, which is what I love about what you said with your screen time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to go from four hours a week to 10 minutes a week. It was, you know what? I'm going to do three hours and 48 minutes.
1: We're going to beat us. (laughs) We're just going (laughs) to beat
2: one minute. All I need is one minute. Yep. That's the famous block-in-a-mailbox plan, by the way. <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, that's, that's how he lost weight. The first day he jogged, he jogged a block. And the right. second day he jogged, he jogged a block in a mailbox. So right. every day he had a mailbox. That's what we're talking about.
1: Yep. His exploits, uh, I can't remember the name of the clinic he used to go to in Dallas where he'd stay on that treadmill and try to beat out the guys on the Dallas Cowboys, I, you know. Some great stuff. You know, as we look at this, you know, we start out with the why. We talk about the seven choices, the hot air balloon. I want to get down into a path here where we talk a little bit about legacy, because you're talking about the legacy and the why are connected together. And in this regard, I'll make it far more personal. I saw you deliver your dad's eulogy, and it was an interesting deal, and I'm going to propose something to you. It'll be interesting to get your take on it. I felt like that day something happened where, first of all, obviously, at a funeral, it's always an emotional time. Your dad had made so many deposits in so many people's emotional bank accounts over the years. And as you were talking about him, it was all about his character. There were stories. There was examples. It was all about his character. But to me, that day, it was almost like a baton passed. As you were talking about his legacy, I almost feel like you picked up your own and started running with it from that point forward. You know, it'd be interesting to talk about your take on legacy, but also take us back to that day where you gave that very, very powerful eulogy for your dad.
2: Well, I'll, I'll say a couple of things about that presentation or dad's memorial. I had only written down three words hmm. on a sheet of paper for that, and I still don't know what I said. I have to literally go and watch it <laughs> to know what I said. Hmm. My knees almost buckled when I came off the stage. Mm -hmm. And I'll just tell you, I was outside of myself. There was something else there going. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a turning point in transformation. Mm -hmm. And Dad predicted it. He used to tell me and my sisters, you will never know what true freedom is until I'm gone. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we didn't understand it when he was here. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And what he was really saying was, I know you spent your life preparing the stage and supporting everything that I've done,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but you've got something to say too. And the day is going to come when that'll be the first priority, what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was, you know, that first chance. Now I've had people come to me cause a lot of times I'll put on my email or a card, I'll say crowd son of Zig Ziglar and people will come to me and they'll say, well, wait a second, you're your own man. You've got your own story. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And one of the things you got to understand is most of the stories I tell about Dad are stories that we live together.
1: Right. Being on the road, sure. Life on the yeah. road, running the biz. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
2: <laughs> I know. There is nothing better. I've got story after story of time we were on the road and time we spent together. Why wouldn't I share that? Sure. That's the most important thing. But I also know this is where that trinity of transformation goes in. If I tried to be like Dad, mm-hmm. nobody would buy it. Mm-hmm. You know me. I'm not a charismatic run-around-on-the-stage guy. I'm a nerd. <laughs> right? you
1: Watch. got a great mind, Tommy. you got a great mind, and that's what you've really leaned into. That strategy, right. that philosophy, principles, and in a world that's really missing that stuff, I think it's very powerful.
2: So one of the things I had to get really comfortable with, is I had to make this choice. At first, I was uncomfortable because I saw people wanted me to be like my dad. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the only person that put that thought in my head was me.
1: Right. This is great. Right? Yeah.
2: What people wanted for me was to be the best Tom Ziegler possible. And so now I go out, my dry sense of humor and my quirky jokes and the way I present, it resonates to the Zig fan and a whole different audience. Right. And nobody's and he's trying to be his dad, right? right? But the point is, is I try to live up to his philosophy, his standards, and his character qualities every day, but I got different gifts and talents.
1: Right, which is right back to this whole thing with desire, and it's very powerful. I I think, you know, the great lesson in all of this, for everyone listening, is you're a great version of you and a lousy version of everyone else, you know? And we came up with a phrase years ago, just being myself is good enough to be great. And obviously, because we're made in the image of God, we've been given these gifts. And the key is, I've seen people who spent their whole life chasing after gifts, the speaking business especially. The amount of people that I've seen chasing after wanting to be, because what they identify with the stage is glory, influence, adoration, all these things. And yet, anyone who does it really well goes, man, it's hard. It's a difficult thing. Being transparent is difficult. And so... I've seen so many people chase that brass ring and it wasn't their gift. It wasn't their talent. They're like the singer on American Idol. And you end up living in a life full of comparison instead of a life of celebration, you know. So it's a fascinating thing. And I think that's part of the sub story for you is that you fully embrace your dad, fully embrace his legacy, but at the same time, fully embrace who God made you to be. You have different gifts, different talents. And like I say, I enjoyed the philosophy of Jim Rohn and the motivation of Zig Ziglar and now I enjoy the philosophy of Tom Ziegler. You know? <laughs> it's kind of interesting.
2: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> it is awesome. And so for our folks listening here today, we could go all day. I do have a few little Zinger questions I want to ask you at the end here. The book is awesome. As you can tell, I've been very engaged in the process here. The team's done a great job. Really wanted to pull apart the teaching points here. But if you guys want to get an advanced copy of this book, you go choose to winbook.com and there's all kinds of extra goodies there. And then also just go to Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. I endorse him highly. He's the best. He's the real deal. There's a lot of people today. They're on The Apprentice on Tuesday, and their book comes out on Friday. Or they had two days on The Survivor Show, and out comes their book. Or they managed to say something on Instagram, and it got traction. You know, you've lived a great life, Tom, and have been in the front seat and the passenger seat and now the driver's seat of personal growth and development and uh, i don't know anyone who's who's been around it their whole life since the day they came out of the womb uh, but you have and so you've got great insights on this before i let you go we always have some rapid fire questions tom and i've asked you some before so you're returning guests so the team put together a couple of ones they wanted to know okay so if anyone else is listening they enjoy it but the team in the engineer room here is asking this so besides your own book what book are you reading right now
2: I'm reading uh, Extraordinary Influence by Tim Irwin.
1: Mm. You are a guy who always gives me book referrals, by the way. So Tim Irwin, Uh, all right, that's going on my list. My assistant, Jeanette, will be taking this down. I'll be ordering that before we finish. Also, what's a family go-to meal?
2: Family go-to meal is always Mexican. Come on. My wife is from Mexico. There's a place near our house called Taco Deli. And it's kind of like pure food meets Mexican
1: food. So it's
2: (laughs) all the healthiest ingredients, and so you almost feel okay eating a lot of it.
1: (laughs) Dr. Furman meets the taco shop. I love it. Besides your father, what mentors have had the biggest impact on your life?
2: Oh, wow. I've had a number. Uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin Mm -hmm. has been huge. Seth Godin has been huge. Dave Ramsey has been huge. Sure. My business partner right now, his name is Howard Partridge. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. He's pulled me out of my comfort zone for eight years now, you know, just saying you can do it, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to just say you can do more than you think you can. Right. And so then this is what's really cool. So I get to work with my daughter, Alexandra. She was graduating and Howard called me and said, I'm thinking about hiring Alexandra. What do you think? I go, that would be awesome. And so he called her. She got excited. So my daughter is working directly for my mentor and business partner, hmm. and 90% of her time is Ziegler stuff.
1: He's a third-generation Ziegler in the personal growth and development business. Doesn't get any better than that, does it?
2: No. So how cool does it get when somebody who you trust yeah. 100% is now – having those conversations with your daughter Hmm. then in the work environment if you've ever worked directly with your kids you know as good as your relationship is every now and then that can get sticky
1: well you said earlier on you know when you have dreams you make god smile i gotta believe your dad is smiling and having known that alexander's working in this field in this environment in this way it's it's just got to put a giant smile on his face that's good stuff right there here's the last question for you what's on your bucket list What's, What's left? On my yeah, a couple, a couple of highlights. What's on the bucket list here?
2: Oh, let's see. Well, I have a dream home in the mountains that I got to build or buy someday. Nice. And I told you one before we even started. I'm going to spend a month in Ireland next year.
1: Yeah, that is and happening.
2: So I've got lots of friends there. It's the friendliest place in the world. I don't know why. But Come so on, everywhere, Tom. Everywhere I go is friendly, but there's just something different. I got to say, there's something different about Ireland.
1: Come on, preach it, preach it.
2: Yeah, preaching to the choir. Just
1: a good judge of character, and by the way, the Buffini brothers will be there. You let us know when you're going for a month. We will be there, and uh, we'll tee it up, and maybe we'll even celebrate with a little glass or something afterwards to fully indoctrinate into the Irish ways.
2: <laughs> I've heard that's a practice there. <laughs> it
1: is, it is. Perfect. Well, that's listen, right. you're a jewel of a man. I love the way you think. I love the way your principles are formed. I love your faith. I love your family. And uh, I love the fact that you are carrying on your dad's legacy, but doing it your way. And I hope the book is a raging success. I hope everyone listening to us today will go get themselves a copy of Choose to Win. And uh, you can transform your life one simple choice at a time. Tom, thanks for spending the time with us today. God bless you. And uh, let's catch up again real soon.
2: You got it. Thank you so
1: much. What an honor. You bet. I'm going to throw it over to Mr. David Lally, who has some wonderful stories and things to share with all of us of people who've made one little choice at a time and they've changed their life. So let's see what Dave has to say.
0: Great stuff. Thanks so much, Tom, for joining us today. I know our listeners will benefit from all the rich content that you shared with us. Before we leave you, I wanted to share a few notes we got from our listeners. Tim Madden in Bulverde, Texas. Started listening and couldn't stop. Truly appreciate the value you all bring. The topics are great. Thanks, Tim. Andrea Bowles in Augusta, Georgia. I love your podcast. You've become my go-to for different ways to approach life and business. And Roz Byrne in Illinois. I've known Roz many years. Hi, Brian. I listened to your latest podcast here in Montevideo, Uruguay. A new venue for my five weeks off and totally disconnected from the business. Yay. We had our best year ever in 2018. Double yay. Thank you for your wisdom, humor, and motivation. Well, thank you, Roz. You and I met at a Brian Buffini event many years ago. I'm glad to hear all your success over the years. And thanks to all of our listeners, it means a lot that you take time to send in your stories. If you haven't yet heard episode 140, take a bite out of life, give it a listen and keep the bucket list stories coming. I hope you Buffini insiders are enjoying the bonus content you received recently with Brian and Dermot, some bonus interview questions. If you're not an insider, go to thebrianbuffinishow.com to become one today. And as I finish here, I leave you with Brian's mum, Therese, for a little Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back.
1: May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.